Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Now locating Swerve's house. Strap in folks, the nerds have arrived, bringing you the ultimate nerd podcast. Nerds, the worlds of gaming, horror, TV, and film have collided right here. This will be your finest hour. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're breaking down, discussing all the latest news and rumors from the wonderful world of nerdum. And of course, we've got your AEW Week in Review. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. But with that said, let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, leading off this week's news, we've got a big update for the upcoming Daredevil Born Again series. Industry insider Jeff Snyder this past week claimed that Eldon Hansen and Deborah Ann Wool will actually reprise their roles as Foggy Nelson and Karen Page in the Daredevil Born Again series. There has been you know months of speculation on if the two would ever actually return especially with, you know, Deborah Ann Wool coming out saying that, you know, no one has ever reached out to her about this new series. But now this rumor puts plenty of fuel on the fire as many things seem to be changing for the MCU after the SAG after strikes. With this, we also learned from an interview with Vincent D'Onofrio over at comicbook.com that the episode count may actually not be 18 episodes, which was initially announced. He claims that the episode counts are still, you know, fluctuating as they, you know, continue to work on the series but it is unclear if it will be actually 18 or somewhere closer to eight or 10. Also, and I'm not sure if this is from the same interview, but D'Onofrio mentioned that the series should be starting production any day now. And then he went on to discuss that the decision to make the Netflix series canon, which we kind of got a glimpse of in Echo, spoilers, uh, AKA Wilson Fisk, you know, killing his father with a hammer, uh, actually happened during the creative overhaul that recently went down with the series uh, a couple months back. Uh, So I'm wondering if that's probably when they decided to bring back Foggy and Karen, because we heard for quite a while that they weren't going to be part of the series at all. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago where we got a report saying that Eldon wasn't going to be in the series at all. Uh, I mean, we've been getting back and forth reports left and right. But I'm, I'm interested to see them return in the role. I don't know how it's going to play with, you know, everything that they have so far. Because, I mean, we've heard that there's like five different love interests for, you know, Daredevil in this season and stuff like that. Unless all that's been scrapped and changed now, but we'll see. Yeah, that's true. Because we had a lot of rumors coming out about this series um, for quite a while now. So, yeah, I'm wondering if any of that rings true anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've got mixed feelings when it comes to Foggy and Karen. Uh, I'm still kind of holding out hope that they kind of cherry pick the Netflix, you know, continuity, uh, because there was things that I loved about those shows, but there's also things that I could really do without, um, you know, I'm looking at you bullseye. So I was really hoping that like certain storylines would get a new like coat of paint, if you will. Because at the end of the day, all this really means is we're going to have to deal with Netflix's version of Iron Fist, which... I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm fine oh. if they just, you know, pretend that didn't happen. Not to beat up on Iron Fist again, but God, that was awful. I don't even remember how that story ended for him. Uh, 
they can they can replace it. Was that one easier. season or was that two seasons? It was one season, I believe, but they had like no. he was a big portion of the. It was two seasons. It was two seasons because you remember, um, Colleen ends up like taking taking over, over. the mantle yeah. or something, kind of. Like if they want to just like cast her as Iron Fist and just pretend <laughs> all the backstory didn't happen, I'm totally fine with that. Uh huh. But with like the Shang Chi of it all in the MCU, like I feel like those two stories kind of contradict clash yeah, yeah them each other so i don't know i don't know like like i said i have a feeling that they might cherry pick certain storylines and just choose to ignore others but I don't know. we'll see because on the totally other side of the spectrum like i love to see them bring back M michael coulter as uh luke cage and we've already got rumors of kristen ritter being a part of the daredevil series so that's right but they could ignore the second season of jessica jones honestly <laughs> Do you remember that? Like all that stuff with um, with Hellcat, uh -huh. like being the it villain. Yeah, no, <laughs> that was a big disappointment. So, first season of Jessica Jones was fantastic, mm. though. Everything with Purple Man, everything like it bring back Purple Man. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't mind if they just ignored the whole Electra storyline, <laughs> you know, or just retell it in a different way. Because I was not a fan with what they did with you know all of that so um or they could just choose to not tell that story too i'd be fine with that also i feel like just take this first season away from the hand and then if you want to bring them in later that's fine oh yeah <laughs> i mean you've got if it's daredevil you gotta have the hand the hand has to eventually show up but i mean we got so much hand in the in that mm -hmm. netflix series that i would totally be fine with them you know just focusing on some you know new enemy um, for him to go up against like i don't want to see an origin story again you know and i don't think we're going to get that because it really feels like they're going with the mayor fisk's story arc um which could honestly include uh luke cage because he's a big part of the story in the comics um but i i would rather have them tread new ground than you know retell stories that we've already covered in the netflix series um but yeah you know if electra does show up i'm fine with them kind of just you know pretending everything happened with the mystical dragon under under uh the subway or the city <laughs> you remember it was <laughs> was it did they fight a dragon am i crazy <laughs> I, I've got to go back of. and watch that, that the whole like Daredevil run and the Defenders like series because I, I feel like I forgot a lot of it at this point. Mm -hmm. We've consumed a lot of TV, like a lot of yes. Marvel TV recently. <laughs> so and that feels like it took place like a decade ago at this I point. Right. <laughs> because what was there? There was like three three seasons of Daredevil, right? Four, right? I, I thought oh, was there four. four seasons of Daredevil? Holy shit. Are you counting Defenders, maybe? Maybe. Oh, no, okay. Three seasons, and then, yeah, I would have been adding Defenders then. Okay, okay. That's still a lot, right? It's still a lot, yes. Yeah, and they weren't, like, Disney Plus seasons, either. There were, like, a good, no. like, strong 12-episode seasons. And are you okay with them not doing 18 episodes <laughs> for, for the first season of uh, Board Again? Uh, as far as breakdowns go, yes. Uh, otherwise, because <laughs> I, I don't mind it being a long story um i you know i love daredevil as a character i loved everything that we got from the netflix series so I'm, 
as long as it's a good story and it's worth the 18 episodes, then sure. I but... just want the story to dictate the episode count. Yeah. Because if you remember, a lot of the issues that we had with the Netflix series was there were so many like filler episodes mm -hmm. that felt like, you know, so unnecessary and just went nowhere. Um, but you could kind of do that and get away with that with the Netflix series because they drop all those episodes all at once. Um, where with like a Disney Plus series and maybe they choose to drop all these episodes all at once like they did with Echo. Um, and maybe that was just like their experiment. Um, but, you know, with a Disney Plus series, like a weekly episodic, you know, TV show, I feel like that's going to be a struggle and you might lose a lot of your, a lot of your audience if you choose to do a bunch of filler episodes where you're just trying to reach an episode count. So just let the story dictate the episode count. Now, on the other side of the coin, you've got Echo, where that season needed another like two or three episodes at least. So I don't know. Hopefully there's a happy medium. I'm just still over here in shock that there was two seasons of Iron Fist. Like I totally right? forgot like Typhoid Mary and all that <laughs> shit. Like, holy fuck. Do you remember like the first season basically just took place in a boardroom? Uh-huh. Like, like, what am I watching? And like how bad the choreography was? Like what? What were they thinking? Like, do you think that was the moment like Kevin Foggy decided to kind of like disown the Netflix series and just <laughs> pretend that they didn't exist? Because you remember at, at first they were really like gung ho, like oh this is all canon and everything like that, and then like slowly but surely they started to sidestep that whole idea of the Netflix shows like being part of the bigger MCU. But regardless, like Daredevil is one of my favorite characters, so. I'm all for more Matt Murdock in my life. Well, anyway, moving on to another Marvel series whose future might potentially be in flux. It looks like we have an update for She-Hulk. It seems She-Hulk star Tatiana Maslany isn't too sure about a second season coming for the MCU. In an interview with Nerd Incorrect, she claimed the first season blew its budget and that Disney wasn't interested in doing any more. But that's only her interpretation of what went down, as no official word has come from Marvel Studios just yet. Here's the thing, you've got to take this with a grain of salt, because Tatiana also told us that she was not playing She-Hulk. You remember initially when <laughs> that uh. story came out and like to the point where even Mark Ruffalo like congratulated her on like landing the role. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying I'm just saying she could be lying here. Uh, um, also, sometimes the actors are just kind of like left in the dark for a while before their mm -hmm. agents contact them and tell them like what's happening. Because we had a similar situation take place a couple weeks ago with uh, Rosario Dawson, who was saying that like no one has told her anything about Ahsoka in a second season. And then literally a week later, we get an announcement from Lucasfilms that Ahsoka season two is officially in development. So, you know, and you never know, like maybe she was also playing coy, but I would just take this with a grain of salt. Christian, would you like to see a season two of She-Hulk? I feel like there's a lot of potential for that type of show. Um, in the MCU, especially with how things are going with the timelines crashing and all that shit, all the multiverse stuff. There's a lot that they could play around with, with a character like She-Hulk, but um, it would have to be something that's significantly better than the first season uh, for me. Uh, I, I just wasn't a big fan of it. So now that they've kind of established like the mission statement for the series, I'm all for a second season because I'm interested to see where they could take this, you know, story. 
Um, I think part of the problem was with the first season is, I don't know, they didn't let the audience in on the joke enough and they didn't like set that tone like of how just balls to the wall and fourth wall breaky the series was really going to be until like that like last two episodes where mm-hmm. I feel like if they would have like set that tone and really like established that this is what the series is going to be like up front, then people would have been able to like, you know, kind of get more invested in, you know, hooked on the series. Like, the, like this is really a lampooning of the MCU um, because it, it almost felt like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. If that makes any sense. Um, like, you know, she was breaking the fourth wall, don't get me wrong, and there was a lot of, like, nodding and winking at the camera, but at the same time, that, like, finale was almost jarring, like, how far they went, where at first, like, as someone who actually read the She-Hulk series back in the day, like, I was thinking that they weren't going far enough, um, until they got to, you know, the finale, and then after the finale happened, like, I wished, like, all the episodes were like that. Now that they've set that up and shown that, like, nothing is out of bounds. I mean, they literally had a Kevin Foggy drone w- with the ball cap on and everything um, in that finale. Um, you know, completely destroying the fourth wall. Like, she literally jumped through, like, the title cards of Disney Plus to, like, address the audience. Like, I want every episode like that. Like, I want them to go that crazy with the show. Um, cause I think it could be a lot of fun. Like there's so many like cool concepts and tropes that, you know, <laughs> the series could really like tackle, um, and, you know, take the piss out of with the MCU. So I don't know, I, you know, I'm all for a second season. Well, up next to everyone's favorite galaxy far, far away, it looks like we have a rumor of a new Star Wars series. Insider Daniel RPK made statements this week regarding a potential new series for Star Wars that would be this franchise's own version of What If. It's believed that this would be an animated series as well, just like the Marvel version. So I absolutely love this idea. Um, There's so many different potential storylines that they could tackle and deconstruct. I mean, you could do heavier episodes, like, you know, what if Luke Skywalker turned to the dark side or, you know, maybe like what if Anakin didn't turn to the dark side or you could do like, you know, fun episodes, you know, based on like fan theories, like, you know, what if uh, Jar Jar was a, a Sith, you know, so, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit really with the series. But he is a Sith. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Plagueis, what are you talking about? <laughs> or hell, you could do like, what if, why is the Skywalker didn't suck? You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be a really long episode, David. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason there's been like, you know, a billion YouTube videos of people's fan theories of like, what if, you know, this had gone this way? It's, it's something that people are genuinely interested in. You know, I think one of my favorite moments um, from like a Star Wars video game was uh, there was a secret ending for um, the, the Star Wars Episode 3 video game. Or you could play as Anakin instead of Obi-Wan in the final fight and have Anakin win. Um, and then you see him go on to kill, you know, the Emperor and take over the entire galaxy for himself. There you go. Like Anakin at full power. That, that Yes. That's something mm-hmm. I'd be interested in. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much beyond the bone and so many different stories that they could really explore with this series. Now, animation wise, would you like to see it in that like Clone Wars style? Or would you like them to experiment with something different? 
I wouldn't mind the Clone Wars style just because it's something we're familiar with. But at the same time, um, you know, I I don't want it to be the same as the Marvel's What If. I would definitely want it to be something different than that animation. Not that I have a problem with that. I just want it to be something distinct on its own. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like either either the Clone Wars or maybe like an anime style. I'm fine with that. I almost feel like the Clone Wars style would be a great choice just because I feel like it would almost ground it and make it feel at least connected somewhat to you know that universe even though obviously it's its own thing mm. um now the one thing i don't want to see happen is like a star wars like multiverse where we're starting to tell like you know bigger stories in like you know different universes <laughs> and we're getting like spin-offs taking place in you know all these different you know universes that they like uh -huh. introduce us a good to version of captain phasma you know going around saving the universe i see you. no no i don't <laughs> want that so you know um you know i'd rather have them just keep it simple and just you know an anthology series where it's just you know straight up one shot episodes you know maybe a couple here or there like it like this like the seasons don't need a through line or anything like that we don't need uh you know guardians of the multiverse situation or anything like that like just give me like strong, really thought out standalone episodes. Like I'd be totally down to see a what if um, Count Dooku had like betrayed Palpatine and actually won the war. Like what what would be the separatist version of this entire galaxy afterwards? Right. Yeah, that would that would definitely be interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Or even like smaller stories like what if Jango Fett uh, survived Attack of the Clones? What if he was there to raise Boba? Like what kind of butterfly? fly effect with that start would he then you know raise omega you know it's like <laughs> how far would this go <laughs> that's true or even something like you know what if the emperor never commissioned the clones like what if we never had the actual clone wars by the way we could do this all night so <laughs> uh. <laughs> let's move on lastly a story from the horror front it looks like we have more details on the netflix fear street sequel author rl stein made an official announcement for the future of fear street claiming the next project is set to go into production and is based on the fear street book the prom queen a story of five prom queen candidates being picked off one by one in a prom night gone wrong so i'm totally unfamiliar with this story like i was a little too old for the fear street uh book series when they initially came out um but i did love what netflix did with you know the fear street trilogy of films that they released uh, a couple years back so i am looking forward to see what they do you know with the sequel now we don't know if this is actually going to be the same idea like if this is going to be like three movies in one because that whole idea was strange right because it was like three movies they were all sequels but then they released them like months apart mm -hmm. it almost felt more like a mini series than anything right uh, i mean just by the description of this book it feels like something that would work for a self-contained story i mean it's just about like one killer going after all the prom candidates so i feel like that works as one film yeah. rather than you know splitting it into three but you never know if they want to make some weird you know, multiversal story like they did before. I'm kind of surprised that they're not continuing the previous story because they they kind of left us with a cliffhanger. So, I mean, maybe this somehow ties into what they set up in, you know, the, the last three movies somehow. Uh, but it doesn't seem that way, you know, at this point, at least. Does this have a release date at all, Christian? No, I mean, this is early, like, production. Gotcha. 
I'm kind of surprised because I feel like this has been in production for quite a while. But I mean, there might have been a lot of delays because of the, you know, actors and, you know, mm. writer strikes. So I feel like it's, you know, it's horror and horror films can get pumped out a little quicker than, you know, the average film. So sure. Also, before we move on, we got an update for Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions' next film, Goat, as comedian Marlon Wayans from films like Scary Movie and A Haunted House has been casted for the film. It's also been confirmed that Justin Tipping, who has directed on series like Dear White People, is set to helm this film, as it was, you know, up in the air if Peele himself would be doing this one as well. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Well, this week in gaming, we got another developer direct from Xbox showing off their big titles for this year. The event itself started with my most anticipated game for this year, Avowed, with a heavy focus on its gameplay. The combat looked you know, pretty snappy and quick as you switch between loadout options best, you know, for your current situation. Like Outer Worlds, the game focuses heavily on morally gray choices that will greatly affect your story and overall world. Well, as far as they say, because I was actually pretty surprised that they didn't show the actual effects of your choices. They just, you know, mentioned that that will happen. Personally, I'm still very happy with how the game is shaping out. The combat itself seems suited for a player like me. I enjoy all the like magical elements mixing with you know your more melee combat centric as I always played like you know a combat mage or with magic and swords in Skyrim and if I had a way to describe how this game feels to me it, it looks like if you took the combat from Skyrim and you know had that more snappy feel of God of War's combat that's what you're getting here as you you know mix and match your abilities for you know, your situation. While they did mention, you know, the colorful nature of the game, I felt like this trailer this time around showed off more of the darker, more contrasted areas of the game compared to the previous trailer. And I assume that was probably due to fans reactions. But overall, I think both looked great. So I can't wait to get my hands on this um, in the fall. They didn't give it a set date, but they said it would be coming out in fall. So probably around October. Up next, we had Hellblade 2, that, which you know focused on giving us an idea of the direction Senua is heading this time around, as she wants to take on the Vikings who have enslaved her people, which you know seems to fall into madness, of course, diverting from the historical elements of this story. They claim that combat has you know been changed, but the trailer itself really felt like the same combat that I remember from the first game. Perhaps it will just feel different in my hands when I actually do play it. I know that I enjoyed the first game's combat a lot. So I hope it doesn't feel too different, but there's definitely some ways that they could have made that first game a little bit more dynamic in its combat. So maybe that's just like, I'm hoping they just enhanced it rather than changed it completely. But they made it sound like, you know, we scrapped the, the, the combat from the last game and redid it. But I, I don't know, it looks the same to me personally. Um, overall, the game is looking a, like a bigger budgeted version of the first one. So I'm happy to say that this is finally getting a release for May 21st of this year. The um, surprise entry for this year was from Square Enix with their Mana series um, that started in Final Fantasy, apparently. Um, as someone who knows very little about the Final Fantasy games or anything that has to do with Final Fantasy, uh, this just looked like Monster Hunter, but you're fighting Pokemon instead. Uh, like they talked about how they're not just cute monsters. Um, there's some terrifying elements about them, but I didn't see that at all, personally. <laughs> I'm sure you, know, you probably get into some combat intensive moments that might scare you, but uh, it looked like it was all just cutesy fun. 
um you know it's not something that i'm personally looking for but you know i know plenty of players who love all things final fantasy so i'm sure this will you know be as beloved as the rest of those games um it's set for a summer release also did not get a you know a hard date after that we had a word from studio oxide with their game ara history untold a historical strategy game like civilization which i'm always looking for a new experience in as i'm you know always looking for more out of a civilization like game um ara does away with sibs win conditions and focuses on your you know prestige in the greater world as it wants you know the game to focus on you know more how you want to rule rather than you know you trying to fit these certain conditions just to get a win ara also has a crafting system which i've never seen in a strategy game like this before and should add you know some unique ways of play gameplay itself um, looks like a healthy mixture between civilization and age of empires which really excited me as someone who's grown up playing both those games pretty heavily um you know strategy games have always been kind of like a comfort thing that i do off stream when i have time and i've been looking for something that kind of you know somewhere between those two games a lot because i love more of the freedom of age of empires but i love how far the progression goes in civilization and if this game can, can deliver on a feeling like that i'll probably be one of the happiest strategy game players out there so i was you know pretty excited by this presentation um it seems to be coming out fall of this year so i'm probably going to be picking this one up and lastly, we got the big one for the event, and that came from Machine Games presentation for Indiana Jones. Um, set before the Last Crusade, you're tomb raiding across the world and punching Nazis as you uncover the mystery of the Great Circle. Um, it is a first person adventure, which was fine with me as I wasn't super impressed with the model for Indy. Um, like it's pretty good, but it feels good for like last gen rather than you know what we've been seeing. I have a lot of the newer visuals coming out with like you know unre the you know current state of unreal engine and stuff like that like i was expecting a little bit more of an accurate look like in some angles he looks just like he did in the past but i definitely felt like they could have done better there that, that's just being you know nitpicky that's like the voice acting sounded perfectly fine to me it also looks like tony todd is in this as one of the villains uh which i think is pretty awesome but um i already know uh from looking at this game i'm gonna you know probably lose my mind trying to do the puzzles i always suck at puzzles in video games i'm just a little a little dumb on that aspect but you know it is an indie experience so i appreciate that there's a heavy focus on that plus the whip animations and you know fighting all look you know super fun and you know simple so i'm super into that um there's no concrete release date just yet but they did say that it would be coming out this year uh, my guess would be probably like a late november for holiday season but machine games knows how to make a good fun like adventure so i'm you know not too worried about this game right now um again i do love the style of the developer directs um they're quick straight to the point with a heavy emphasis on gameplay first which is all us gamers want and the fact that you know all these titles are coming out this year also helps a lot um you know rather than we you know getting that usual hey we just started this game here's a cgi trailer now wait six years for us to make something completely different uh, <laughs> personally um i think i'm gonna walk away um with this with the most excitement excitement going towards a game that wasn't even on my radar in our history untold and i got info on games that i'm looking forward to as well that's like the beauty of these developer directs you know you get a more focused event that doesn't need that giant you know stage presence you know you get you know words from the actual developers and a better understanding of how the game is actually going to play which is what we need to know 
Um, if there was anything that you, you know, found interesting about the developer direct, let us know on social media at amazing nerd show. But for now, let's go ahead and move on to some wrestling. Right. So just think about that when you come at us with, with, with rumors again. But again, this is this is all hypotheticals. OK. OK. And also, what would you be willing to lose? Would you be willing to lose uh, your relationship with coworkers and, 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 and your friends? And how about your reputation or your legacy out the window? You know, and if, if you knew all that in hindsight, would you still do it if it meant that there would be a healthy, sustainable, thriving wrestling company called AEW? Yeah, yeah, you know what, I know my answer. The answer is, hell yeah. I would go back and do it all over again. And, and speaking of, of there being a company around, you got your paycheck this week, right? Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Christian, it's time to get back into the groove of things. Uh, our apologies for not talking AEW last week. We just had way too much content to cover. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the bigger highlights that happened this past week. Uh, Christian, Collision, does this feel skippable to you? Um, This week in particular, I, I, I felt like there's been some stuff that I've been missing out on Collision, but you know, I tuned in. And then I felt like, eh, these are all kind of, you know, more enhancement matches. This, yeah, I mean, <laughs> except for like a couple bigger matches, like it feels like it's basically enhancement matches anchored by like one or two, like, you know, main event, you know, style matches. But the, really, mm -hmm. the main events, though, never, you know, feel upper tier. Like they're, they're never like the main storyline you know, taking place in the company at the time. It's always kind of like the upper mid card main event, you know, storylines, if that makes any sense. You know, it's like basically the edge in FTR show at this point. Um, it's unfortunate. And I, I feel like the show is always going to be kind of like this B show as long as it's on Saturday nights, because they just know that they don't have that many eyes on the show. So they're not going to really like progress a bunch of storylines or have huge matches all the time. Um, you know, once in a while to spike a big number, maybe like, you know, we got Omega versus MJF, but in the grand scheme of things, like that was just kind of like a sub story that they were telling on their way mm -hmm. to the pay-per-view. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like the show is always going to give off like strong, like SmackDown mid 2000 vibes. And that's fine, I guess, because it gives you the ability to air out, you know, some of your mid-card stories and you can at least feature more wrestlers. Um, but like some of these matches just feel like, you know, dark adjacent, if if you will. Like I could really see some of these, you know, matches taking place on like elevation, if you will. <laughs> like this week, we got Dustin Rhodes versus uh, Willie Mack. You know, that that's totally a dark match right there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Hangman had a total, you know, squash match that was, you know, it was a good match, don't get me wrong, against JD, but it was an enhancement match, you know, just to pad stats. Uh so like it, it's just unfortunate because the show doesn't have that must watch feel right now. Exactly. And it's just like and I see how much they're trying to, you know, jam onto dynamite. It just makes me wonder why we can't get more storylines going on on Collision as well. Because, I mean, like, I think it's just a, it's a case of them not feeling like there's enough eyes on the product. Draw eyes to it. <laughs> it's a bad when, time when I'm slot, watching... though. That's the issue. I you guess, know, it's a yeah. Saturday night. And mm -hmm. I feel like 
they're always going to get those numbers no matter what. Like you're always going to be sub 500, you know, no matter what you do on a, on a Saturday night. And that's just a product of that time slot, unfortunately, you know, unless like, you know, Warner decides to move the show to a weekday, which is always already jam packed with wrestling. <laughs> I don't see them kind of like digging themselves out of that ditch. Um, you know, unless Tony decides to, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to, you know, jam pack it with great matches. But even then, I feel like you're still kind of like shoehorned in that like sub like, you know, 600, 700 at the most mm-hmm. you know, spot. Because even the debut of the show with like CM Punk returning, I believe did like around 800. Um you know, and usually a premiere episode like that is going to do a big number. And then, like, after everything happened with the punk controversy, you would think that you would have everyone's attention. But that just wasn't the case. It did, like, a dynamite, a regular dynamite number at the most. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. It is what it is. Um, you know, because, I mean, in the perfect world, like, they would take this show, put it on a weekday. Um, and then make it its own brand, you know, like I, I not a big fan of the brand split, you know, <laughs> it's up to me, but like AEW just has so many wrestlers and I don't feel like Tony's going to stop signing wrestlers anytime soon uh-huh. where I feel like he could technically do a brand split. You know, you could take those ROH belts and, you know, put them on the other show and almost have this like low key brand split underneath, you know, Warner's nose, even though they don't want ROH TV on their channel for some reason. And Tony still sneaks it in every week. Um, I don't know. It, it, it almost felt like they were going in that direction with punk and everything like that, saying that he was like what the true heavyweight champion or something like that. Uh-huh. So I, but for right now, I just feel like it's going to always be kind of stuck in this rut. And it is what it is. Some weeks are better than others, right? I mean, the main event was phenomenal. I, I really enjoyed FTR and Daniel Garcia versus the House of Black. But And it was a great match. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But like, did a storyline progress here? Not really. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a while where all the Edge and Christian stuff was taking place on Collision. But right now, like, Edge is doing the cope, you know, open, whatever the hell he's calling it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I should say Adam Copeland's doing the cope open. But, and, you know, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to elevate, you know, some of the younger talent. But here's the deal. Like, if there's no follow-up with this, it doesn't really fucking matter. It's like they're getting a taste yeah. of TV time, and then they kind of, like, disappear in the void again. When all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not going to see Lee Moriarty for like another two months. Oh, uh, if that, minimum. yeah. <laughs> Unless you start watching ROH, you know? Uh-huh. So I don't foresee that happening. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's kind of disappointing because I had big hopes, you know, for the show. But at this point, I'm watching most of Collision on Sunday. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not catching this live half the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, highlights from the show. After I uh, pissed all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Besides the main event, um, you know, I enjoyed Diana Perrazzo's, you know, you know, debut on Collision. Um, I think she's going to be a great addition as long as they keep pushing the women's division going forward. Yeah, I mean, 
I like that her style's different than a lot of the women on the roster. You know, mm-hmm. she's a real technician. And so she brings something different to the table, uh, which I like. But you're right. Like, are, are, and I don't want to harp on this too much, but how many different debuting women have we seen thrown into the main event scene? And it literally lasts one program and then they just disappear you know, and like, we're lucky if we see them backstage, you know, in some kind of like, you know, segment or, you know, they're thrown on rampage and they have like some mini feud going that, uh-huh. you know, they're that you could tell like Tony's not even invested in. So um, I hoping that, you know, she's just not cannon fodder for Tony Storm and that they're, you know, really going to do something with her. Like, it, you know, I, I don't know if I foresee her beating tony at the pay-per-view because that's really you know what it feels like they're setting up for um but i hope if that's the case where she ends up you know on the losing end that they still have plans for her you know moving on like AEW does you know great with those initial builds but it's always the follow-up you know that they really struggle with you know wrestlers tend to kind of get lost in the shuffle in this company just because there's so many of them <laughs> mm-hmm. well, not to get like super far ahead but she you know had a promo against tony um on dynamite and in that she was like talking about how she's the greatest you know technician in the women's division you know to this day and i was like where's deeb yeah you know, is she gonna come out like because <laughs> that feels like a great feud you know in uh-huh. in the works so um you know hopefully we get there because i mean we've you know, since the pay-per-view, right? We we still haven't seen Deep. Like, we have that initial promo no. package for her. And I feel like they've aired it a couple times at this point. But since then, like, we haven't seen her. So I don't know when we're going to actually get that, like, re-debut. But hopefully it's sooner than later. Yeah, but for me, highlight-wise, I mean, the main event was great. Um, I wish there was some more story progression, though. But, I mean, FTR and House of Black are always going to, you know, tear the house down no matter what. Um, I, I still don't necessarily know where they're headed uh, when all is I, said and done. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got real terrified by commentary bringing up, like, are they trying to recruit FTR to the House of Black? Well, that's and, been, like, going, wait, on. That's been going on, though, for the last month. That was kind of the setup uh, for their last match, <laughs> where if they lost, <laughs> they were supposed to join the House of Black um, and, like, disown I, their family, which is a uh, horrible stipulation <laughs> and ridiculous. Um could you imagine like a goth like Dax, you know, like just all like decked out in hot topic shit? Like <laughs> that might be tremendous, I'd honestly. Love it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I because there's no belts, you know, like, and I don't mind a feud without a title being on the line or whatever. And I feel like we need to see more of that in, you know, all the different divisions in AEW. But I just don't see where this is all going. Um, I really want to see Malachi wrestle a fucking singles match, though. Like, what the yeah, fuck is going nice. on? Like, I want to see a singles feud for Malachi. And for some reason, they're just not willing to do it. Um, and I feel like there's probably a behind the scenes reason that we were just not like privy to. But I don't know, man. It, it just feels like such a waste. Like, you know, he's a main eventer, like through and through. So I, I just don't get it. Um. You know, not that that's where this would lead to, like, um, watch the announce like Dax versus uh, Malachi for the next collision, which I'd be all for. But 
I don't know. I, I'm just not sure where they're going. Like, I'm guessing the winner of this, you know, feud um, will probably move on to like, a, you know, maybe like a trios like title shot or something or a tag title shot even. Um, Depending on where any of those titles go. Yeah. Right now, so. Yeah. And we'll get to it because it feels <laughs> like the tag team belts are kind of wrapped up with, you know, Ricky and uh, Big Bill and whatever is going on with the Young Bucks and Sting and Darby. So um it might be a while till we see ftr on the title picture at least for the tag belts but maybe they you know end up moving on and you know them paired with like daniel garcia gets a trios title shot but i you know you know i mentioned how i felt about the copo open already like it's a good idea but at the end of the day like they have to follow up um Mm -hmm. and everything else like i love them featuring some of these you know, I guess Ring of Honor talent at this point, um, like, you know, J.D. Drake and, uh, you know, Lee, but it always feels like they're they're losing. So, like, how much good is it really doing them? You know, I'd like to see a couple more like surprise wins, you know, from these guys and kind of like set them up as, you know, formidable foes. So when they do lose these matches, they mean something. Um, but at this point. You know, they're kind of like glorified enhancement talent. But speaking of Ring of Honor talent, like, this should be like Dalton Castle's show. And for a while, he was being featured pretty heavily, but I need that to be a consistent, like, every week thing. Because that guy is just, I mean, he's fucking money. Like, the, <laughs> I don't, like, he's so over with the crowd and shit. Like, why isn't he, like, a, a, a weekly, like, character on your TV shows? I don't get it. And he, he he's so versatile because he can do either heel or face shit yes. at any time. Yeah. You know, so it's he's amazing. You can plug him in wherever. Amazing. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's move on to Dynamite. Well, the show kicked off with uh, Christian Cage defeating Dustin Rhodes for the TNT title. I thought this was a damn good wrestling match. Just, I mean, what you would expect from two veterans. Um, even though the ending was predictable, they still got me a couple times with Dustin, like where it felt like he could possibly, you know, walk away, uh, the TNT, you know, champion. Um, and I, it made me actually want to see that. Like, I'd love for him to just, you know, get a moment, like one last title reign, you know, for him before he retires. Cause I believe one, one last ride. Yeah. Well, I, I believe he announced that this is supposed to be his last year. So mm. even if it was just for, you know, like he was a transitional champion, it was just for a week or something like that. Like, give him that moment of glory. Because he always, like, when he gets his opportunities, he always shines. Like, he can still fucking go. And he's, I believe he's in his his early 50s to mid 50s. So, I mean, you know, I mean, he's in, like, probably the best shape of his life, honestly. Uh, and Christian is just a fucking master out there. I mean, he's one of the company's top heels, you know, still at, you know, his advanced age because he's also, I believe, close to 50 at this point. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I would like to see Nick Wayne wrestle more. You know, yeah. like if you're going to be doing enhancement matches on collision, give a couple to Nick Wayne. Because, um, I mean, if you're not investing in this kid, like from the get go, I mean, you signed him at 18. So you got to be giving him experience. I mean, I know he traveled the world already, so he, he knows how to fucking wrestle, but like give him TV experience. I mean, he's underneath Christian's wing for a reason. You got to let him wrestle though. 
he should be doing like he he should be like a heel Darby Allen yes. on like that show each week. Absolutely, just having wild matches. Yes, yes, and he's fully capable of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't like the fact that they brought his mom in. You know, I feel like that's taken away mic time from him. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I I get why, but I feel like she could be more of a background character if anything. So, but yeah, no, I love everything. You know that's going on with the the patriarchy and everything like that. And I thought this was a great match. I was, I, I was actually expecting to see like edge show up and like, see that like few kind of accelerate again. Cause I feel like that's probably going to be a pay-per-view match. I don't know if they go like cage or something like that, mm-hmm. but I don't know maybe like Christian and Adam are trying to keep their distance f- for right now until they get closer to the pay-per-view. Cause it is six weeks away. Yeah. I just I was almost expecting you know them to beat up Rhodes at the end of the match and then, and then yes, you know Edge exactly comes right back to save yeah <laughs> it's wrestling one hundred and one. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, after that we had a you know quick backstage promo between Renee and Swerve you know asking you know you know what's his thoughts on Joe and Hook um, you know Swerve of course you know saying he's focused on the title no matter what whoever's going to win you know he's going to beat in the end and then Renee made the mistake of bringing up Hangman and <laughs> what was Swerve's line? It was pretty fantastic. He said something like he put Hangman over saying that he would have a chance oh, against yeah. God. God, yes. But not against him. <laughs> so he put himself over God, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm all for a little blasphemy. Uh, I I don't know what he's doing with the eye makeup. Yeah, it's just it seems to get darker and like darker each week. He's doing like a whole like <laughs> kind of like ghoul thing, which I'm all for. He looked pretty badass. So, uh, but yeah, no, Swerve is just it. And I mean, it's only a matter of time before he gets that world title. And it, it definitely feels like we're going towards a three way dance at the pay per view mm-hmm. between Joe, Swerve, and Hangman, which I'm all for. Then Renee talked with uh, Chris Jericho uh, about what happened. You know, during the Battle of the oh, Belts. We forgot to even mention Battle of the Belts. Yeah, that happened. Oh, yes. Uh, but we talked <laughs> off mic. Neither of us watched it. Apparently, no. the uh, tag match was actually pretty good. Um, uh, Sammy almost killed himself, which is no surprise. It's kind of his MO and yeah, you know, big matches like this. But uh, yeah, yeah, it just felt like, you know, they obviously Jericho and Sammy didn't walk away with the tag titles. Uh, and it seems like they're just kind of furthering the storyline between uh Callus's crew and uh, Jericho, but yeah, no this 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 segment was weird though, right? The whole Jericho like talking about needing to get his mojo back, and then her Matt Seidel uh, came up and you know, hey man, you need to get your groove back. How about you pin me? He was like, wait, what? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Just felt so awkward, and I don't know like shoehorned in like just unnatural like that's this isn't how this would happen Um, yeah it it felt like he just practiced the lines and then ran out there to you know yeah here's matt seidel who we haven't seen on camera in months and he's you Uh, know trying to help his buddy out by you know giving him a a wrestle like i was like okay And that's taking place on Rampage and, you know, spoilers, I'm sure Jericho won. Now, not to get deep on the whole Jericho controversy and everything like that, but do you feel like they put this on Rampage? Because just in case if he got a negative response from the audience, they could edit that out and post. I it's possible. I mean, we we've seen him getting booze the last few weeks. So apparently he like that wasn't the case on Collision. 
or Battle of the Belts. But the fact that it was a street fight definitely felt purposeful <laughs> because I feel like, you know, like, well, it'll be this drag out brawl that's, you know, through the crowd and, you know, wrestling fans are going to pop if, you know, they're seeing just mayhem. And that's what that match really was. It was really just designed around like trying to keep him out of the center of the ring. It felt like, mm-hmm. so um, I wouldn't be surprised if Jericho doesn't end up taking like a month off soon. Um, like I'm sure he didn't want to just disappear. That probably wouldn't be like the best look optics wise, but I feel like he's just trying to finish out, you know, or tie up some of these like loose ends and then he can kind of disappear and come back because wrestling fans are fickle and they definitely have short memories. Either way, I'm just, I want Sammy on his own or doing his own thing without Jericho, uh, for a good year. I, I'd like yeah. to see him just have some feuds. Yeah, and like his I don't even want to see Jericho and Sammy on the screen together. Yeah, for a year, I, I'm a hundred percent. Like, <laughs> tie up this storyline, you know, handshake of the ring, see you later, and just move on. But following this interview, we had a tag team match between Penta L Zero and Commander going up against Orange Cassidy and Trent Beretta, um, who commentary kept bringing up like. Can they work together well as a team for some well, reason? They, like they've no, been... they've never wrestled together as a team, which is insane. They've been in trios matches, but they've never just tagged together, which seems huh. just crazy. Like I was like, how is that possible? I feel like I've seen that before, but I guess we've never seen that. I'm assuming that like Orange tagged with Chuck then. Yeah, I mean, I know Orange is tagged with Chuck. There was a stretch where Trent was out, right, with uh, Mm -hmm. because of neck surgery or something like that. So I'm guessing that like we had a lot of matches with like Orange and Trent, um, and Orange was kind of filling in for Trent. But um, yeah, it's just wild to think that they've never tagged together on AEW television. Bizarre. Because if you would have asked me, I would have sworn on my life that yeah, <laughs> we, we've seen at least 20 <laughs> matches with those two as a tag team. Either way, they've been together for so long. I I don't really see the point. Well, <laughs> bringing it up. no, it's all about chemistry. It's a storyline within the match. It's fine. I think I think they're hinting at maybe a Trent heel turn soon. Not to get deep in the woods on this, but um, I feel like, you know, we've seen Trent getting frustrated you know, he had that title shot a little while ago, um, you know, to get there. He had Dan Housen like kind of cheat for him, which was odd. And you remember he like threw Dan Housen out at the um, mm-hmm. during the Battle Royal. Yeah. To get, so we're seeing a little more edge with Trent, although like it didn't really like there was no follow up here in this match. I wouldn't be surprised if Trent doesn't turn on Orange within like the next six months, because, you know, Tony loves to like you know, prolong these storylines. Like he likes to plant the seeds and then, you know, we don't get shit, you know, we don't get the crop to like, you know, half a year later, but it eventually happens. But Trent on his own, I got it. He could join a faction. He could be, I mean, I, you're not a fan of Trent. Is that what, I, what I've never been the, the biggest fan getting? of Trent, but <laughs> I, I just, either way, I, if, if Lee Moriarty can't get off, like now, hold on. Trent is an established pro wrestler who's like held titles in New Japan. Like, I mean, he's a multi-time like tag team champion in New Japan. Yeah. So I mean, I know AEW. Like watching AEW, you probably wouldn't even <laughs> like think that, but like because all they do, like the best friends do, is just fucking lose. Um, 
but he's he's got plenty of skills in the ring. Um, don't sell Trent short, Christian. <laughs> like I could see him joining BCC and tagging with Yuta well, for I don't a while. Know about BCC, but I I don't know. I I think I could see a potential program between Orange and Trent. Um, you know, and I think Orange would put him over big. So yeah, I could see a mid card heel from Trent. You know, that it'd be a fun run. Well, speaking of programs for Orange, um, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom came out after the match. There we go. Uh, Trent can much... join the Kingdom. He's got history with yeah, those guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Um, pretty much uh, Roderick Strong was calling out um, Orange Cassidy for not putting his title on the line this week. Um, and you know, pretty much asked for a title match. Well, Orange and then, then Orange... said, "Yeah, no, let's do it now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as you know, in classic heel fashion, Roderick said, "No, let's wait to the pay per view." Um, six weeks from yes, now, which is crazy <laughs> because the whole gimmick of that belt is it being defended pretty frequently. So uh-huh. I'm wondering if Orange is going to still defend the belt in the meantime. Because otherwise, we're just, it would feel like we're coasting. I mean, six weeks is a decent amount of time. I mean, AEW recently spoiled us with like a slew of pay per views, like back to back to back. So mm-hmm. now that we have like a whole like month and a half in between, or longer than a month and a half in, in between pay per views, um, it just feels so far off. They can do whatever, I guess, with Orange when it comes to that. Because I mean, Roger could, it could be a storyline where Roderick's almost trying to do what Joe was doing and trying to prevent Orange from like getting too worn down before their match because he's just going to keep accepting title matches. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't feel like that's in Roderick's like DNA favor, right? Yeah. Like he's not going to really give a shit. And you think about the whole Joe storyline was, you know, BS because he really was trying to wear down MJF. Um, Mm-hmm. My guess it's probably the opposite. He probably knows that Orange is going to defend that title over and over again in the next six weeks. And then you're going to have him completely worn down for, so Roderick can just like pick the bones. Um, you know, I, I, I foresee uh, Roderick winning the belt at the, at the show. So at the pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Which I'm all for. Cause I feel like Orange needs to move on to a different, you know, division. Um, to kind of freshen him up and, you know, maybe get in that main event scene. Because I feel like that initial, like, international title run really, like, elevated him to that level again. Um, but they, you know, I think because of everything that happened with injuries and everything, like, they kind of got off track. Um, so I, I could see, like, Orange get, like, a main event push eventually, like, sometime this year. Even if it's just like for a pay-per-view or something like that, like maybe working a program against Joe or, you know, if, you know, Swerve, if he ends up, you know, winning the title. I was going to say maybe Swerve's first, yeah. like, you know, And title. Swerve and Orange do have history together. You remember they had, mm. uh, I believe they had a match or two and they, they had that uh, one sequence in the Battle Royal where uh, Orange uh, eliminated him. Speaking of Swerve, we had some words from Hangman Adam Page as he got interviewed from Renee. I didn't hear a damn thing you said because I was just focused on his mustache the entire time because it's just it's it's glorious Christian like it like it's like 80s goodness like I'm all for this like cowboy stash thing that he's got going like it's a little fuller like a little more full than the rest of his beard uh-huh. um, I, I just I'm in love with the guy right now. 
Is he doing it to match the Bucks, though? I don't. Was what well, I was wondering. they could eventually go that direction, but he's not an EVP, so I don't think mm-hmm. he would get involved in that storyline. Like, if anything, like, somewhere down the line, he could oppose them um, and, like, call them out for, you know, selling out or something like that along those lines. Uh, but right now, I feel like they're going to keep them pretty separate. I think it's just a, a case of just badassery. You know, <laughs> happening in front of our faces because it really just adds so much to the character. Um, I don't know. I love it. I'm going to grow one myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we had a uh, quick, you know, video package about uh, the Briscoes because uh, it's the anniversary of Jay Briscoe's passing on this yeah, week's this episode. Is, this was really touching. Um, AW does, you know, this type of thing really well. So it's just really heartwarming moments, and I don't know. Enough said. I mean, it's absolutely incredible that his daughter is already walking after it's only been a year. Right. Like, by the looks of her, you would never, like, be able to tell, like, you Mm -hmm. know, that she was in this horrific crash just a year ago and was told that she'd never walk again. It's just crazy to think. But a real real touching moment once again. All right. We come back from commercial with the young buck getting interviewed by Renee. Yeah, you know, it didn't dawn on me until this interview that Matt is trying to look like Vince McMahon. I really think that's what he's going for with this look. Because what basically the gist... I would have never put that together. Basically, the gist of this interview was that, you know, like, we're basically getting, like, the corporate bucks now. They're going to lean into the whole, like, EVP thing. Uh, (laughs) I mean... It felt like they were like dancing around the whole CM Punk situation and everything, but it still kind of ties into their storyline with Jericho and Kenny because they're talking about, you know, old superstars and like the company leaning too much on them. So I could see them doing almost like kind of like a a vintage like Randy Orton, like legend killer type, uh-huh. like, you know, storyline where they're going after you know, the former WWE guys, you know, like I could see a feud happen with uh, the Bucks and uh, Edge, you know, Adam Copeland and uh, Christian eventually. I mean, that just feels like a program waiting to happen. Yeah. It has to happen. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. I don't know if it's going to happen with mm-hmm. this storyline, but I feel like they'll definitely go after Edge. Um, I just don't know how you would turn Christian at this point. <laughs> uh, but the Hardys. They're there for the pickings. Uh, mm-hmm. Dustin, uh, you could even have them attack, like, you know, the big show or Mark Henry backstage. Um, well, you know, they're going to super kick Ric Flair yeah. at the pay Oh, absolutely. Or Jericho, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, Jericho's still there. Uh, so um, I don't know. I, I'm digging this. I mean, it's a different direction for them. I'm excited that they're going to be part of Sting's last match. Uh, Sting's a big fan of theirs. It was his choice to, you know, have his last match against them. Um, I guess they, they wrestled once prior and it was like one of his favorite matches of all time. So, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, from the get go, this was his choice, which is good. Like it, it should absolutely be his choice. It should be his choice who goes over. Um, it looks like maybe the title might be on the line here, uh, which, you know, it felt like kind of like a missing piece when this match was first initially set up. Um, but you know, in uh, Sting and Darby's uh, video package this week, they made mention of the tag titles, and they actually yes. flashed, uh, you know, a, a shot of Ricky and uh, Big Bill holding those belts. So 
I don't know if that means that they're going to challenge for the titles before the pay-per-view and perhaps walk away with them. Or, you know, if like somehow Ricky and Big Bill are going to be part of that match, like if it's going to end up being like a three-way, which I'm not a fan of. I would much rather have them like capture the belts beforehand and just have this be, you know, tag team versus tag team. You know, them against the Bucks. as well, but I don't know if they're just trying to like, you know, make as much action happening in the match as possible without yeah. you know involving sting, sting sting loves a big party match so uh-huh. <laughs> i mean he almost killed himself last match i can't believe he did a scorpion death drop <laughs> through two fucking tables off a ramp i'm like what are you what are you doing it's going out with a bang all right I mean, you only got like two months left stick don't hurt yourself before that fucking match um so i'm it, it's going to be a big pay-per-view for them it's already sold out I'm sure it's going to do a huge buy rate. Um, it, just naturally, they're going to end up, you know, uh, main eventing. I think the spot everyone's calling is the uh, HBK Ric Flair spot with the Bucks and Sting. You know, the the I love you, sorry moment. Um, uh-huh. But then, like, you know, Sting totally just, you know, no sells it and, <laughs> you know, pounds on his chest and everything, you know, Stinger style. So, um yeah, that 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 feels like it has to be something that happens in the match. Oh, uh, something we didn't mention from Collision was that uh, Bullet Club Gold would be going up against uh, the Mogul Embassy for the Ring of Honor six man titles. Yeah, they're um, on Dynamite. Yeah, they're continuing the storyline with uh, mm-hmm. them and the acclaimed. Uh, it's it looks like they might form a super group. I'm guessing that this is just going to lead to like a like trios title unification match or something like that. I'm hoping that's where it leads to, because I just I don't know. I don't need to see like the acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold or what the fuck. What what were they? uh, What did they coin the group if it happened? There's something like the the Bang Bang Scissor Gang or something like that. I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i mean they'd probably get some t-shirt sells out of it but mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's just not for me i i can't imagine a, a baby face jay white it just doesn't suit him uh unless the claim go like full heel then maybe i'd be into it but i don't see that happening either I just feel like now that we have the bullet club you know with the trios the roh uh six man titles i feel like that's what they they call them something different than trios like i feel like they're they're leading to you know probably a unification match which is fine with me cuz there's just too many damn belts on AEW TV right now they keep having i believe it's colton like really like looking at the acclaimed and like I, probably trying to get that connection with his father again it's probably where i see it going i don't know if they're going to do it like a double turn like that's that's the feeling i get when i see shit like where that when like colton or like billy ends up with them or something no like the bullet club are thinking that everyone's working together and then the acclaimed actually turn heel but i you know that's i feel like a big stretch <laughs> yeah i'm guessing that they have a match against the kingdom set up and then like the bullet club turns on the acclaimed either like during the match or after the match. And that sets up, you know, the, the unification match, mm. you know, and that might be just wishful thinking on my part, but I feel like that, that could be a possible direction that they're headed in. Speaking of the kingdom, we had a backstage uh, interview with Adam Cole talking about Wardlow. 
and his you know rise to the AEW world title. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Boom, Damon. Boom. I feel like this telegraphs Joe winning at the pay-per-view. Because I don't foresee... I mean, I guess it could be Swerve that, you know, he goes up against. But I know Wardlow has unfinished business with Joe. Um, mm. And that it was like during their last few that he no i'm sorry that was powerhouse that he was feuding with when he just kind of disappeared off the face of the earth um but right like he lost the belt to joe and then joe cut his hair and there was that whole ordeal yeah so i don't know i mean if it's a triple threat between samoa joe um hangman and swerve then i feel like hangman takes the pin um, from Joe, and you have Joe go up against Wardlow, and then you can have some bullshit happen you could, between Swerve you, and Hangman for the yeah, third or, match. and you could have MJF like cost Wardlow the match or something like that because he's yeah. it feels like he's gonna be off camera for a while. Um, it doesn't sound like he's getting surgery though, so he's just trying to heal up and do rehabs. So he should be back, I would think. You know, sometime after the pay per view. Um, so I, I, it'll be at least a couple months. Um, but you could set up that match with Wardlow, you know, and you, I mean, you could perhaps have Wardlow win the belt and then have MJF take the belt from Wardlow if you want to go that route. Um, but it feels like they're setting up, you know, Wardlow's match for MJF's return, if that makes any sense. Like if I could, gotcha. I could see like the breadcrumbs, you know, headed in that direction, if that makes any sense. I'm just not too invested in Wardlow in this group right now. It it just feels it, he feels very like shoehorned in, you know. I mean, he's good. At least he has a mouthpiece like Adam Cole for him right yeah. now. I think that's going to work out in the long run. But yeah, it just sucks that Cole got injured. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're doing the best they can, you know, to salvage this whole storyline and everything. But yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough. We had Deanna Parazzo against Anna Jay with her getting the win. Tony Storm was on commentary the entire time uh, doing the faces. Yes. Um, I thought this was a great night for Tony Storm. <laughs> the match was a dynamite women's match, unfortunately. You know, they're in the death spot. Um, you know, I think the focus was really on Tony Storm. I think I preferred Deanna's match with Red Velvet um, because I felt. <laughs> I don't know, like, my issue here with this match was it's just, like, 50-50, like, nonsense. And I know mm. they're high on Anna Jay, but, like, this is only Deanna's second match, so I, I wish it would have just really, like, featured what a badass she really is. Um, and I don't feel like they got that across in this match. And you could have used Anna Jay's loss against Julia as a way to be like, oh, Anna Jay's not at 100% right now because of her match, you know. Or just have Deanna go against someone else. I mean, there's plenty of yeah. women on the roster <laughs> for her to beat. Like, if you want to protect Anna Jay, fine. Then have her go up against someone else that she can get a, a strong win over. Um, but I just don't need the 50-50 booking, like when you're debuting someone, you know. Um, especially on like dynamite. Um, but this was really like the Tony Storm show. Like everything she was doing with uh uh Ricky and Bonnie, um, 
you know, mistaking him for uh, Tony Schiavone and everything and talking about uh-huh. like, you know, how he, he must have had a makeover and how she's glad he shaved that stupid beard. And like, I thought that was great. Um, and then like force feeding him like candy the entire <laughs> the entire match. Um, but yeah. And then like, you know, everything with like her on Luther's shoulders, cutting the promo after the match, uh, throwing her shoe, um, threatening to punch Deanna in the box. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like, did she just say box? <laughs> I, they're letting her get away with a lot. <laughs> um, it's going to end up being a shirt, too. You know it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I feel like this was a real highlight for the timeless Tony Storm character. Uh, but they did a great job, too, of informing the audience of her connection with Diana, uh, which I didn't even know about. So I'm glad that they added that wrinkle to this mm-hmm. program. I would assume that we're probably going to get a match between uh, Deanna and Mariah May uh, before the pay-per-view. And, you know, that will lead to like an official challenge, um, you know, for the show um, between Tony and Deanna. I just don't know if Deanna ends up walking away with the title. Um, it, It feels almost like formulaic at this point that, you know, we debut a new wrestler in AEW in the women's division and, you know, they go straight to the main event title scene and then they end up losing and disappearing in the shuffle. So... I'm well, hoping that's not the case. I feel like Tony could lose the belt and be fine, and it would really establish Deanna as, you know, a main event star on the roster in the division. Yeah, as long as Mercedes isn't showing up. Yeah, and well, <laughs> she can still show up and, you know, challenge Deanna then. You know, I mean, that's, you could still have both things happen. <laughs> okay. So, like, it, it doesn't need to be. We don't need to have Tony versus Mercedes right off the bat so i mean it would make deanna probably more of a transitional champion but it is what it is and who knows like i could see mercedes working a program with soraya before she gets in the main event title scene really yeah i mean that's a match they both talked about in the past um so it's like kind of a dream match for those two uh especially with you know mercedes being in the ring when soraya got injured you know it was supposed to be her career you know ending injury Mm. Uh, now that Soraya's come back and everything like that, so it's supposed to be a big moment, you know. So I could see them doing that first and then moving on to the, you know, title scene, which I'm fine with. You could have, I mean, hopefully at that point, if, you know, Tony's bringing Mercedes in, um, and that feels like it's almost a lock at this point, knock on wood, um, hopefully we'll live in a world where dynamite can actually have more than one women's program happening at once. And we could actually have maybe like two matches every Wednesday, you know, in the women's division. I mean, they can, they can start next week and have, you know, Soraya start getting some wins under her belt. Well, and- we, we actually got a couple of matches on collision, uh, a couple of women's matches on collision, not last mm-hmm. week, but a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, Tony's capable apparently. And while he, while he's at it, like he could call up Athena like anytime now. Please, please, because <laughs> that'd be another great feud. We had the uh, return of Private Party going up against Top Flight this week. Yeah, I've the match was OK. I feel like they're definitely both still kind of rusty. Um, I wish they would have held off on this match. I wish they would have like 
got in some steam, like rack up a couple wins separately and then like have a big match between the two teams. Um, you know, two teams that, you know, we thought were going to be the future of the tag division. They still could be. They've just been both so snake bitten with injuries mm-hmm. over the last couple years that they've just lost so much momentum. Um, you know, we had private party, you know, re-debut, cutting a promo, putting the tag division on notice. Uh, I mean, in this match, we saw like pretty much a, a, a heel turn from them, which isn't surprising. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if this becomes a bigger program or, you know, if we'll actually see them eventually, like, you know, get a tag team title shot. But right now with the main event program of revolution centering around the tag titles, I feel like that's going to be a while down the line, which is, I mean, you could set up other programs in the meantime, you know, for private party, like have this be a thing. I'm sure they'll probably have a few with the Hardy boys since, uh, you know, they have history with them. Yeah, but I don't want. I know. I don't I want know. that at all. <laughs> I can't. I can't watch Hardy's like, with the private party. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, Jeff Hardy and Darby had a match on Rampage this week, uh, and they they really like tore down the house. So I mean, apparently the Hardys do have some gas left in the tank. At least Jeff does. Um, I don't know. Okay, with that said, we have our main event, Samoa Joe defeating Hook and retaining the AEW world title. So I I feel like this was as perfect as this match could possibly be. Um, When they first announced this match, I kind of cringed just because it felt, I don't know, out of left field. And I get it, like, Hook has the wins to make the challenge, like, stat-wise, like, so... I'm fine with them paying that off because he only has like one loss over the last couple of years since he's debuted. It just felt like such a mismatch at this point, though. Like, even though like Hook has like 30 matches underneath his belt, it just it just feels like he wasn't ready. But this match did nothing but elevate Hook to the next level. Um you know, prior to this match, they cut a couple great vignettes with Hook, letting him talk really for the first time um, and getting over his character. Because, I don't know, like, he wasn't a glorified meme, but he was kind of glorified <laughs> meme character-wise. You know, he was the dude who eats chips. Um, that was pretty much it. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I saw glimmers of potential in all of his matches um everything that he does looks crisp uh but he was still green and that really showed like when he had longer matches or when he was forced to sell but but the way this match was constructed did nothing but really just highlight his strengths um and yeah i mean they made joe look like a beast but at the same time they really put over hook and his grit and, you know, the fact that he's just this badass who just never gives up, um, just really setting him up for a huge run in the future. You know, I thought this was just so well done. I mean, Joe at one point looked like he was literally trying to murder him outside of the ring. <laughs> he put him head first with a urinagi through a fucking table that was just brutal. <laughs> and then he he did his big boy walk around the ring. 
Just amazing stuff. Um, and then Hook just getting his ass whooped like throughout the match, but then like no selling the muscle buster. Um, just good stuff, man. Can yes. it, at first too, like I was worried, like is the crowd just going to be completely behind Joe? Um, and is this going to end up hurting Hook? But like within the match, even though the crowd was behind Joe at first, you know, it felt like it was probably like 70, 30, but with like the story that they were telling by the end of the match, they were all a hundred percent behind hook. It, I mean, this match really got hook over, you know, which is, you know, not easy to do to get someone over in a loss, but that's what Joe and hook did here. Um, just a really well put together match, um, that really told a great story. And I, I think got people really invested in hook again, because it, it did, it did feel like he lost a lot of momentum over the last like year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he was white hot for a while, but they, they just kept on putting him in like, you know, you know, programs that went nowhere and, you know, weird tag matches with Dan Housen. I love Dan Housen, but like the program went nowhere. <laughs> And then he became hmm. like kind of like this like sidekick to the best friends. Um, but yeah. They had that that weird feud with Jungle Boy. And- yeah, like I didn't mind the Jungle Boy feud because at least it was like his first like one-on-one fu- feud, but like hmm. didn't really go anywhere afterwards. Like there was no follow-up. You know? So hopefully now after this, because this was a big moment for him, hopefully AEW follows up and he doesn't like disappear into the ether for a couple months or we don't see him just like having squash matches on, you know, collision, you know, for, you know, a couple months straight. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought this match was great. I've always been a fan of his gimmick in general. I like the whole send hook, you know, idea. Like I, yeah, but they I, never I really ca- like they, like they never capitalized. <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, no. But, like, he got that mystique over that whole meme. And then, like, once mm-hmm. they actually did send Hook for the first time, like, like people, oh, shit, he could actually fucking wrestle. Um, but, I mean, Taz is his father, so it, it should have been a given at this point. Like, Taz is going to send his kid out there and, you know, make him look like a fool. Um, not that other, you know, veteran wrestlers haven't, like, sacrificed their children in this, you know, weird <laughs> idea of, like, you know, living, through, you know, vicariously through them. Um, you know, you know, aka Ric Flair, um, Iron Claw, still in theaters. <laughs> and when I say Ric Flair, I mean you know David Flair. Not I'm not talking about Charlotte Flair. And then we had all the weird controversy surrounding it, which you know I don't want to get into because it was just weird tribalism. You know, I mean Tony did stir the pot a bit, but oh, people oh, overreacted this, uh... to Tony stirring the pot too. So. <laughs> The ginger Mahal. So I was like, what is he the talking about? Controversy? The, yeah, <laughs> the don't hinder ginger. Yeah. And then yeah. people started to like make themselves believe that ginger could possibly win the belt from Seth. Like anyone wants to see that. And there are the people out there too, who are like trying to like, I don't know, play this like re- revisionist Mark. I don't know. Like play this like revisionist history game of like pretending the ginger run was good. Like, <laughs> It was not good. It was fucking awful. <laughs> People couldn't wait for him to lose the belt. I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on with this like new generation of wrestling fans, but they've got their heads in the sand. Like if they're trying to fool themselves and believing the gender run was good, like come on now. Um, we saw Jungle Boy show up at a uh, New Japan event recently. Yeah, he challenged Shooter. He attacked him. He was in a mask. Uh, 
in the crowd, of course, uh, got in the ring, took off the mask, pulled out his AEW contract, ripped it up, uh, and then, yeah, issued a challenge. So, hey, I mean, I, I, I'm interested to see, like, Jungle Boy in New Japan. You know, I mean, if this is just something that he's going to do in the meantime until he comes back to AEW, like he didn't really tear up his AEW contract. And that's not yes, that's not legally <laughs> binding either. So you can't just tear up your contract. Uh, and There's another copy yes, of it. Exactly. You know, online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how this works. But yeah, I like the storyline idea. You know, it's something for him. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of New Japan, uh. Just a couple hours ago, right before we, you know, hit record, it was announced by New Japan that Okada's last date with the company is January 31st. I didn't think it was going to happen. There was rumors that he was going to be testing out free agency this year uh, when his contract came up. I just kind of assumed he would be like leveraging WWE and AEW against New Japan to drive up his asking price, you know, with New Japan. Uh, but the fact that he already told New Japan that he's leaving uh, tells me that's not the case, that he's legitimately you know, headed to a U.S. promotion. Who that's going to be is anyone's guess. Um, you know, there was also the rumors, too, that, you know, part of the reason why he was talking about leaving was because he wasn't happy with uh, the previous, you know, uh, president of New Japan. But but that also uh, led a lot of people to believe that once, you know, said president stepped down and Tanahashi took over, that Okada could possibly be staying now. But I don't know, man, it, that, that's not the case. Um, I think the fact that he's already given his notice to New Japan um, means that he probably already knows where he's headed and he probably already has a deal in the works, at least. Because why take New Japan off the playing field negotiation wise if you haven't already like come to some kind of agreement, you know, with a with another company? It just doesn't make good business sense. Cause you would want to keep on driving up your asking price, your going mm-hmm. rate, you know, with everyone bidding on you. Unless it's just out of spite and, you know, he wants to really like stick it to New Japan and just knows that he doesn't want to deal with them anymore. Um, or it might be on the opposite side of the spectrum and it might be just a common courtesy and like, no, I want to try somewhere different. So I'm going to give you this notice mm. now, you know, don't even bother, you know, making an offer. <laughs> I'm done. <sighs> but where does he go? Where do you think he goes? I think most likely it's AEW because... I don't know that the schedule is more favorable. You're working a lot less often than you are in WWE. Um, he would have the ability to still live in Japan and he would also have the ability to work elsewhere and like, you know, perhaps make a return to new Japan when he wants to. But with that being said, the WWE gives him the most potential to be the biggest star possible since they're the biggest promotion in the world. Um, and they also have the ability to outbid everyone if they really wanted to. Uh, so I, I really wouldn't be surprised either way at this point. I could see, yeah, WWE shelling out the big bucks to get him over there. Just it, even if it's just for like a few big matches, I, I could definitely. I see don't think he it. would leave New Japan just for 
few big matches though i think it and well, WWE, no, not in his eyes i'm talking about WWE. <laughs> i don't think wwe would you know sign him to just for a couple big matches i think if he's going to be there it's going to be like he's going to have to be there underneath a long-term deal um it feels like they're trying to really re-up everyone to at least like a three to five year deal um you know and i don't know if they see okada as like that part-time kind of guy like a brock lesnar to come in and you know work that kind of schedule um you know he's a huge name everywhere else but in the states you know i don't think he has that kind of equity yet um so i don't know i I feel like if he's with wwe he's working you know the wwe schedule um but you know at this point like in his career is he willing to do that you know, is he willing to do all these house shows? But he might want to challenge himself and see, you know, how far he can go in that company and, you know, see how far he can go wrestling that style because it is quite a different style. Um, and I feel like he's going to have to not water down his style, but, you know, water down his style a bit. <laughs> I mean, we've seen everyone do it, you know, from Nakamura to AJ Styles. And honestly, like with Vince gone, this is probably the best time ever for him to sign because, you know, he's not in danger of becoming like that, that typical cookie cutter, like foreign menace character, mm-hmm. even though we just saw that happen with Jinder again, <laughs> you know, the last couple of weeks. But I feel like Triple H, he understands the gravity of this signing and give him the best you know, possible opportunity to succeed in the company. But I'm still saying EW. <laughs> Roman's going to need more challengers. That's true. That's true. (laughs) You know, and they need something. You know, it's unfortunate. Like January 31st is after the rumble. Because that would have really like drived up the rumors for the rumble. If Uh uh, Okada's contract was ending before then. Holy Uh shit. Um, Cody might need someone to wrestle though at WrestleMania at this point. <laughs> Not to get into that, you know, but it doesn't look like he's going to be finishing <sighs> the story anytime soon. But anyway, any final thoughts on uh, Dynamite or, you know, just AEW in general this week? There's a lot of big stuff going on. Um, I just feel like they could spread it out better across the four hours of television that I watch from them each week. Like, I feel like there's, if they scheduled things in a different way, they could handle having at least two big stories going on on Collision while having all these other feuds going on. Dynamite. No, I agree. And the fact that like the Copeland Christian story has kind of been on pause the last couple of weeks, at least like that, that, you know, that it's been more glaring that, you know, collision is really light on star power. Um, and I know, you know, Copeland's been on the show, but this whole, I don't know, the, the cope open challenge where the fuck he's calling it. <laughs> It just doesn't feel like, I don't know, it feels like filler right now. I know he's supposed to be mm-hmm. putting over young stars, but like, is anyone buzzing about Griff Garrison, you know, after their match, right? Like, <laughs> I forgot they had a match. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, they definitely need at least a couple big mark. So I agree. They need at least a couple big mark. So I agree. They at least need a couple big programs to drive that show. Um, you know, FTR versus House of Black. While you know I'm a fan of the program so far, isn't enough 
for me to tune in every Saturday night. You know, right now it's like strictly a DVR, you know, watch for me. Mm -hmm. Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by the AmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture. And whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. My powers have doubled since the last time we met, Count. Good. Twice the pride, double the fall. <laughs> <laughs>